Hello, Defenders. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. My name is Andrew Harris, and as always, joining me is Andrew Decker. Good oh. afternoon, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Well, thanks for inviting me to your other newer office. office, downtown Fort Worth. We're in a, a high-rise. It's, uh, it's pretty fancy. Do you feel the altitude? Be honest. I am. I'm feeling pretty high. Oh, pretty high. Oh, that was a good segue. I'm definitely not low. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not low. Uh, and it is a good segue, right? Because I'm practicing, trying to get better. Right. Um, sometimes, you know, so no, sometimes let, it works. Let, let's not look back on the bad. Let's just keep moving forward with the good. <laughs> so today, what are we talking about? Well, we're going to talk about uh, marijuana and THC, especially things that are purchased legally or at least seem to be purchased legally here in the state of Texas and how those then become criminal cases for our clients. So, I mean, we've talked about THC periodically a couple of sure. different times and hemp and the changing of laws and stuff. How is this episode going to be going to be different from those? You know, okay, so we talked sure our, about our listeners stay tuned in. Right. Well, if you've listened to all of our episodes, you'll know that Tiffany Lashmit uh, with the Texas Agriculture Office, um, spoke about hemp laws and what it takes to be certified to grow hemp and growing hemp and retailing hemp as opposed to marijuana in the state of Texas. And that right. was, oh, maybe three years ago. It was a pretty, pretty good ways back. Yeah, still a great um, episode. I mean, very informative about the, the change in the agricultural code. Right, and those rules have not changed. Right. Um, then... Uh, well, people started wanting to sell those products. Which makes sense. Makes sense. It's a moneymaker. Um, and so shops have popped up all over the place. And you can find um, stores that are labeled. You know, the the apothecary, the hemp apothecary, yeah. um, the vape, you know, the vape yeah, store. The vape and it wasn't ever there before. And they're, right. only, they're only selling one thing. Um, and then there are what we used to call smoke shops. Um, everyone remembers uh, the guy for the, the, the store. And God, I'm blanking on the name of the store. But, you know, he looks like he's in 1963 and he's got the long beard and he's doing a groovy walk. Um, <laughs> and I remember in high school, like going to the store and like looking at all this stuff and going, dude. And it was all, it was all bongs, right? That, right. that was the point. Um, well, first of all, how would you even sell a bong? Because it's if I had it in my car, what would I be charged with, Mr. Drug possession of drug paraphernalia. Yeah, it doesn't matter what I'm smoking with it. Um, and just to be clear, Mr. Harris, uh, teetotaler, does not drink alcohol, does not use uh, the controlled substances. I So much as you know, yeah. Right. Well, no alcohol. I do love my heroin every once in a while, though. <laughs> I tell people I got to stop using crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't, y'all know that I drink a little bit, but I, I don't do CBD, yeah. THC, any of that stuff. I just, well, and here's why. People that we know have gone and bought what they thought were legal products at the store and they end up with a felony. Yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing to me. So we've had. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit. Yeah. We're going to get there. Well, we've had, we've had. You know, Tiffany, talk about like kind of the start of the process, the growing of the hemp, being certified and all the checkpoints they have to go through with the state. And then 
you know, even even through manufacturing some of those processes and and selling those in stores, um, you know, on that agricultural or government code uh, side of things. And then we've had Dr. Shug come in, and I said testify earlier with Tiffany, but she she was a guest, and he's a guest on has been a guest on the episode talking about kind of the end of the spectrum on the testing and how that how to do that properly and how DPS labs are often falling short um, of their responsibility to test properly. This is kind of like right in the meat, right in the middle of these cases, right? Right. Um, and and it's really interesting because the law is ever changed. This is, this is a, a section or an area of the law that will not be the same next legislative session or for legislative sessions to come like 10 years down the line. Right. So... <laughs> Just to give you an idea, we, we before we came on the show, we looked at uh, you looked at a case, yeah. And I'll tell you about another one that just came down um, about something else. So, so we, we, you know, the the one of the biggest questions that I've had um, with these cases and the and the way the law is changing is how does an odor of marijuana uh, is that still probable cause for an officer to search? And I have never, I've, I have not been able to get to a suppression hearing on that issue. Usually like I'll bow up and the prosecutors will kind of back down and we'll get a really, really great deal or a dismissal or whatever. So I've not had an, an, in a, um, I've, I've not been able to argue that in court. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words today, but there have been cases like that. And, um, thanks to the, uh, the local listserv that we're on, TCCDLA's Two C's listserv, there, right. TCC, Tarrant County. Um, we have a case out of the Fourth Court of Appeals in San Antonio, uh, Isaac v. State. Uh, that number is 04-22-00203-CR. And what it says is, hey, look, probable cause is like a totality of the circumstances. So, so long as an officer can, you know, use that that odor as one factor in making his determination to search, then there's no reason why an odor could not still be a factor going forward, right? And so, and that kind of makes sense to me. I mean, it's such a low bar to search when when we're talking about searching for drugs or alcohol. Right. It, if you if you kind of change the the scenario a little bit, we all get the uh, saw a little bit of white crystallized product, right? Which I believe to be meth as the right. Um, well, I think to the average person, salt, sugar, and meth in a very very small amount might look the same. Well, why do they arrest them? Because very seldom does it come back as being just salt, right? Or sugar, right? Um, and it's partly because they look at the way it's bagged, the w- what it's with. It's not like there's a little bit on the floor and there's wa- and there's a water burger. Um, God bless water burger and their salty fries. Uh, we're huge you know, fans. If if it were a water burger container, they go, I see a white uh, crystalline substance, which I suspect to be salt and inside the water burger, <laughs> right? Right. Um, yeah. I got a funny story about that, actually, because my dad bought, uh, when I was in high school, my dad just bought this car, and the, the person that he bought it from smoked. And so he filled the ashtray with baking soda, and I got pulled over. To get rid of the smell. To get rid of the smell. To okay. absorb the smell. 
I got pulled over in that vehicle, and we're not going to get into the details. It was your first details. heroin arrest? It was, it was <laughs> one of two MIPs that I've ever gotten in my life. But the officers were searching, right? And they pull out this, this uh, ashtray full of this white powder, and they were stumped. They're like, oh, my God, <laughs> this just turned into a million-dollar bust or, you know, whatever. Um, we found the like, kingpin. Yeah, I was like, no, guys, I swear, I swear, it's not drugs. Believe me, trust me. So anyways, kind of a funny story. But think about it, right? Like even with alcohol, because there is non-alcoholic beer out there right. that smells like, like regular beer. beer. Like beer, yeah. But the officer can still use the odor of an alcoholic beverage as one factor in determining to pull you out and give you field sobriety tests. And we love those, don't we, Mr. Harith? I love them. I yep. love them when I yep. get them. So uh, the, the, the smell of marijuana is still a factor and still used to conduct a search of a vehicle. Now, um, if you get your officer, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, if you ahead. get your officer and in the offense report, he's like based solely on an odor of marijuana with no other factors, I decided to search this car. And he testifies to that on the stand. You may have something according to this case. But if he's going to, and they likely will, be able to list other factors that led them to probable cause. Right. The, the, the driver seemed, didn't want to make direct eye contact. Yeah. The, you know, the car was disheveled and smelly. Yeah. Um, Smoke. Right. The um, guy admitted to smoking marijuana earlier right. in the day. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love Any those. number of things. Love yeah. it. Love it. Okay. So, um, there was a question, and this is part of what we're going to get into, is that the part of that the change in the hemp law and marijuana law was what the federal government deregulated to have hemp at that 0.3% rule. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Tiffany Lashman. Yes. To decriminalize uh, the Delta 9 product. Or criminalize keeps Delta Nine at that low level, but decriminalizes Delta Eight and Delta Ten. Right. It's the same compound, weighs the same molecular weight. We've talked about this on the show in other places. Really, without doing some major chemistry, you're not going to know what you got. Yeah, and from my understanding, is it lacks like the hallucinogenic properties of Delta Nine. At least that's the theory. Most people think maybe the Delta Eight is. Again, we can't do enough study on it because it's a controlled substance. And we don't really have personal knowledge. <laughs> I, do, I, I do not have any yeah. personal knowledge. But here's an interesting deal. The Texas uh, um, uh, Department of Health and S- Health Services decided that Delta-8 had too much hallucinogenic powers and tried to criminalize that and make it illegal to sell or purchase or own. And so you'll notice on some DPS reports it lists Delta-8 and Delta-9. Well, yeah. Delta-8 is not illegal. But because the Texas Health Services tried to say that it was, a civil case went up because it was putting a burden on some of these CBD shops. Well, September 28th of this year, so just a little, just a month ago, came down. Uh, the Texas Department of Health Services versus Sky Manufacturing Corporation, in which the Texas... Uh, Court of Appeals Third Circuit in Austin said that the Texas Department of Health Services does not have that authority. They have the authority to amend the Texas drug code to fit the the um, federal drug code without having to go to the legislature, but they do not have that authority to make a crime that does not exist under either the federal law or without legislative 
uh, authority. And so they had basically tried to say this was illegal without one of those two pieces. So Delta 8 is still legal, at least according to that rule. Gotcha. Um, okay. So legal to sell, right? Because this was a manufacturer. Right. Legal yeah. to sell um, and, and, and actually possess. Possess, right. Because 0.3% is that Delta 9, 9. rule. So 0.3 specific to Delta 9 compound, blank on Delta 8 and Delta 10, meaning it's it's not regulated. Correct. Right. So the, these are fresh rules, fresh laws right. um, or rulings um, that you might need to know. Yeah. Uh, so marijuana still P- PC to search the car or the smell of marijuana. Smell marijuana, yeah. Along with other things. Um, but, Mr. Earth, have you had some cases where someone, we're going to assume... Well, I actually had a discussion, was in a discussion earlier today on can you now plea a marijuana case without a test back? Uh, I I have had these cases. I don't feel comfortable with them um, simply because uh, these shops that are selling CBD, right. we're, whatever. We're, we're, we're talking straight, a straight marijuana straight, case. Straight marijuana. They so, found so a green, green leafy, leafy substance. substance, right? But... Again, my lack of understanding and experience with the product, um, I am under the assumption that green leafy hemp, non, you know, Delta 9 THC, looks hemp, just like Delta 9 marijuana and smells just like it. Right. So I don't know if I could tell without a. We've been told by other experts that. Th- no human could tell the difference between those two right. things based on smell and look and feel. So, um, I mean, you know, f- the feel you get after you smoke it? No. Okay. Like, <laughs> like if I, I touch it, it with my hands. Right. So, so I feel, I, I would not feel comfortable um, te- uh, pleading those cases out based just off of whatever the, you know, offense report says or field notes or field weights or whatever. Right. I, I, I said it would be one of those things where I would have to know more than just what the charge was. Yeah. Right. So if my client admits to smoking earlier, says, yeah, yes, there's yeah. marijuana in the car. Yes, it's mine. And they tell me, you know, yeah, it's mine, Mr. Decker. And I just I just need to plead out. And, and they've maybe had one in the future. But that could affect their driver's license and some other things. Yes. So basically most of us were like well if we could do a pre-trial diversion you know three p's in 90 days and a marijuana class or some community service for a dismissal yeah we do that we w- i would do that right I-, I would do that even if like hey there's an issue with the stop um i mean just because one it's not going to waste my client's time or money uh it's a really easy resolution it opens the door for an expunction and you know i'm always of the opinion like if you get what you want Having to get, you know, having to do just a little bit of work, that, mm-hmm. that's a really great resolution. Yeah, and it's not like all of our clients can just be clean tomorrow. Sure. But as as a prosecutor in the conversation I had earlier said, if part of the, if part of the, if part of the reason to do the three cleans in 90 days is to hope that they can find out what it's like not using or remember what it's not using – and maybe gain some trail of sobriety, well, that might be worth it. Um, yeah, especially for like just a little class B right. possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we're talking class B. I, you know, I've got enough for personal use. 
less than you know under two ounces um why the not? crazy thing is a lot of my uh clients who are regular users um you know i've I've always heard that hey I, I just do it for anxiety um help with anxiety help me sleep and then if I can get them clean for that 90 day period or, or something like that. They find out their anxiety and sleep gets better. Yep. Yeah. So I have a, I yeah, have a cousin, on it. I have a cousin who does uh, counseling and a lot of her clients are veterans and they'll say, you know, like, Hey, I smoke marijuana for my anxiety. And she, they've done enough studies that they can at least say this. They'll say, she'll say, I want you not to smoke for 30 days and come back and tell me about your anxiety. Right, because it does apparently relieve anxiety temporarily, but after four to six weeks, it starts to play with your head and it causes anxiety. So, yeah, um, yeah that's not a good excuse to be it does, using. I mean, you know, you always hear the anecdotes that you know weed makes people paranoid. I mean, that's that is just a different word for anxiety. Right, um, and it used to be that they were, you know, they would say, "Well, I was just paranoid. I was going to get." arrested no you're paranoid because you've messed with the chemicals in your head yeah not trying to get off into Are that we sorry. G- sorry stepping off our our, yeah. our preacher box now or whatever our pulpit yeah yeah sorry <laughs> no but <laughs> again we're not talking about somebody who did it Drugs once for the are weekend bad, okay right we're not we're not talking about somebody who's who's smoking at a party we're talking about people who are using day-to-day yeah and really are well addicted right um, but if the whole idea is get them clean, get them, you know, find out that it's okay to not be smoking and have a dismissal and have an arrest erased, get on down the road, big boy. It's going to be good for you. See, and that's, that's, that's my philosophy on a case. Like I, when people call me, I said, we will do anything for a dismissal of this case, you know, and very rarely have I had a client that pushes back on that and is like, I didn't do anything wrong. Why do I have to do anything? I'm like, well, you're going to have to hire an attorney. You're going to have to go to court. So let's make this like, let's get to that good resolution, that best case scenario as right. quick as possible. You right. Know? And and outside of most counties will keep a list of people they've done a diversion class with or a diversion program right. so that you don't get one in that county again. But outside of that, nobody really knows. Yeah. And they're not, yeah. And the, the expunction agreement sh- says that they're not going to, release that information to anybody it's right. just for internal use only right yeah. um so let's move on from marijuana okay we then have people caught with uh electronic cigarettes that's right we're gonna call those vape pens yeah because that's what everybody else calls them and, and i know we both say the same thing at least when you know juvenile parents are calling us or whatever like hey well he just has a vape pen and we both say oh dude that's thc yeah if they have a vape pen they've got thc i assume anyone smoking a vape pen is is smoking marijuana at this yeah. point or thc yes which is that i people ask me that or tell me that they don't feel like i get real paranoid about you know, like life, even though I deal with criminal defendants all the time. Right. This is the one thing. A vape pen, I just assume you're smoking THC until you prove it. Yeah, we're pretty level headed until right. we see somebody smoking a vape pen. We're like, nope, yep. you're not driving. Mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, and somebody vaping in their car, and I'm just like, I, I slow down or speed up. I, I do not want to be way. close to them. Get right. out of the way. Um, but it's legal to have that Delta 9. Or CBD, well, Delta 9 under that 0.3%, right. CBD, Delta 8, Delta 10. And these are stores we see all over the place. Advertisements, banners, legal, 
you know, THC Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10, legal. Everywhere you, know, you look. Tested, yes. certified. Um, Trust all, us. Tr- all uh, we, these we words. We promise this is legal. Trust us. <laughs> That's Convenience not trust. stores, you know, pharmacies, grocery stores, it, it, like little smoke shop. I mean, everywhere you look. But you when can I get rub this. the CBD oil on my knees, my arthritis gets better. Sure, whatever, lady. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey, I'll, I'll put I'm a, no lady. Well, you sounded, I thought you were, anyways. <laughs> I'll, uh, you know, I'll put CBD over a lotion bottle and sell it at a, you know, 50% markup. And right, because I have no doubt we'll that, it, that if I rub on my knees for about five minutes each night before I better. go to bed, my knees would feel better. Yeah. Um, so is it the CBD or is it the rubbing on my knees? Who knows, man? I've never, I've never tried CBD products. So, you know, m- maybe, I, but, you know, maybe it's also just a placebo effect. Right. Again. If I rub on my legs for five minutes, you know, would they yeah. feel better? Um, now, five milligrams of THC, that will make you feel better. Well, that's the rumor, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to stick with the pins. We're not going to talk about the edibles. Um, we're definitely not talking about the creams or oils that you use. I mean, they use. come in any medium that you right. can think of. But we're, not, we're, not ta- we're especially not talking about things that you would apply externally uh, like the lotions for your knees or for your arthritis. Um, we are going to sp- kind of specifically talk about that e-cigarette. Do you think they have THC or CBD products in the form of like a church wafer, like a communion wafer? We could make it so, number one. I mean, <laughs> that sounds like a million-dollar product. Oh, I mean, man. <laughs> would you go, I mean, would you, go, would you attend that church? Ooh. You know they they said that hey man, peyote is legal uh, because for the Navajo Nation because it's because religious. It's, it's a religious. I was just thinking like Bob Marley was part of the Rasa religion in, in Jamaica and and they are allowed to smoke marijuana. So instead of a podcast, guy. we have the Church of Andrew and Andrew, and it would be hey, uh, it'd probably make more it'd be, money. Be real wine and uh, <laughs> real CBD wine. CBD laced uh, wafers. So very close to the Catholic Church. so now that we've alienated all of our listeners let's get back on track let's get back on track (laughs) um uh so that thc pin i'm amazed so one of the things i've noticed have any of these clients on a vape pin with thc been over 25 years old no not no how many have you had over 25 no 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 how many clients like this have you had oh all of my first off, all of my possession of penalty group two is, is a THC case. They're all vape pens, or they're all that oil, and they're all either juvenile cases uh, because they're in high school, and now that's a drug free zone possession, right? Or they're in college. Yeah, they're they're all under twenty five. I every single one of them, all of them, and I would say I've had a dozen or more of these. Yeah, and they are all yes. young adults. What, well, Mr. Harris? Are the only people you see smoking a vape pen under 25? No. No. No, they're incredibly popular. No, so I think there's a little bit of a bias. Yes. Um, So we buy the vape pen, and if it's under 0.3%, it is? Legal. Legal. How many of them come back at like 1.5% or 3%? Every single one of them. (laughs) Every single one of them. And that may be because as... Dr. Shug would put it, the testing is done wrong. It's, it's um, you know, th- those numbers are inflated uh, because of the poor testing standards. But 
Or it could be that the people making it exactly barely passed high school chemistry, and now they're cooking uh, a substance to be sold on the legal market, and they don't know the difference between three percent, which is which is point oh three, but the interesting or part point three percent, which is point oh oh three. So, but the yeah, right. Lots of people don't know how to move a decimal. They don't. You're right. But and the interesting thing too is because we've interviewed guests at both ends of the spectrum, right? Tiffany described the testing procedures and the clearance procedures, and they seemed rather robust. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe these are just being trucked in from out of state and they're... Well, but if, I, if I'm, te- I'm, by tested the the fi- I'm testing at the field... Right. Right. And then it's being distilled into the oil. Right. Is it then being tested on the way out the door? I... I would imagine that civil case maybe discusses it. I don't know. Right. I didn't read that part because that wasn't the part I was interested in. Right. Right. Um, right. No. And why would you be? Right. But here's the, but, but, and you just had a case. We're going to talk about that. I've had cases before where my clients have said, I didn't know this was an illegal substance. Right. So remember the indictment is to knowingly or intentionally possess a penalty group one. What did you say? Two Two. A penalty group two substance. Two A is synthetic weed. Right. Sorry. Um, well, if I bought it at the store on the highway here in county and I paid taxes for it. And it's advertised as legal. And it's on the front door. How would I as a... Now, here's part of the problem. How would I as a 20-year-old know that I just bought an illegal substance? What what fact did I just put in there, Mr. Harris, that makes this a problem? Knowingly, yeah. I mean, how would you? As no, a if I'm under 21, I oh, can't, oh, possess can't possess any. any si- I can't possess tobacco any, or any, yeah, e-cigarettes. Any, that's right. Well, right? I I keep forgetting that's the law because when I it was 18 when I was a kid. Anyways, um. Yeah, me too. Yeah, as a 20 year old, uh, right? You, I mean, that's just kind of automatic. Or even a 17 year old PC, right? Right. I mean, that would be an officer saying, "Hey, man, you can't be having that vape pen. Give it here." And then he sees the cartridge, says, "You know, CBD." Pops it, takes it for testing, and it comes back as illegal. Right. But the same officer could go, you've got a vape pen, give it to me, puts it underfoot, crushes it, hands him back the trash, and goes, here's your ticket. They're not going to do that because THC is a felony. Right. Of <sighs> any amount. Any amount of THC starts out as a state jail felony, which right. is which is crazy to me because I think Again, not having personal knowledge, but I think it's so much safer than synthetic marijuana, which is under penalty group 2A, and that is mirrors the regular possession green leafy substance, um, you know, weight system, right? So you got two ounces, four ounces, et cetera. Right. And that's what THC should be filed in. It should be removed from penalty group 2 and put into 2A, and that would be an or, easy legislative fix. Or it should be listed like marijuana, right? And, right and, yeah, and, exactly. and it'd be a slightly different weight deal, but like under a gram is a class B, up to 2 grams or 4 grams, depending on how you want to put it, is a class A. And then we start talking about felonies. Well, because now we're talking about a lot of a product. But Yeah, and... And it kind of like makes it easier to prove intentionally and knowingly if you're carrying around 200 grams of vape. Yeah, vape yeah. Oil. If, if someone's got one vape pen, right? That they again they bought down the street. Yeah. 
from a store that everyone knows where it is. So I actually had one of these cases where the 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 stop starts and you see one of these stores in the <laughs> right there. It has a big in, sign, and I'm like, huh, that'd be fun to ask. Um, but those are those are assumed light, right? And and those often you and I have both found that most prosecutors are going to do some form of pretrial diversion, especially with a young adult, because they're like, Andrew, we don't want this kid to have a felony. Yeah. And if we go to trial and we lose, even though I feel good about most of these cases. It's still a risk. I mean, It's a risk, yeah. right? So how do you not take the, the six-month or one-year pretrial diversion depending on where you are? Well, that or, you know, the last case I had, you know, we we – my guy was in custody. He had a ton of history, a ton of these types of possession cases. Um, and we still pled him down to a misdemeanor um, simply because, you know, I mean, he had the time, you know, he right. wanted to move on down the road. Yeah. I was way able kind of, the, I can be, I can be done. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes difficult. It becomes uh, hard. So a case that, that uh, I thought I was going to go to trial on and I didn't, um, we ended up getting out of time, uh, pretrial diversion agreement. What do you mean out of time? So normally, you know, most case, most counties, they have like a limited time that you can apply to be in a pretrial diversion. Oh, oh like this yes. was, this was an agreement with the DA's office. Yes. We understand it's out of time. We understand your, your point. Meaning it's the application has not been timely filed. Et yes. That right. arbitrary number that they give us, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whatever, but it, but it was a fair agreement. And part of it was is I started preparing result. for trial, right? I saw the video and I was like, oh, it'd be fun to ask the officer, isn't that a store? And showing the picture and, you know, it has THC and Delta 9 and Delta 8 on the door. And you, you literally start this stop and you see it in the video, but it's closed. It's after hours. You haven't ever gone into that store and shut them down for possession of a controlled substance, have you? No. Well, the funny thing is in this county that you were in, Parker County, um, they, they're a bunch of these businesses were raided because we, as a defense bar kept bringing up this defense and showing them proof, right? Hey, these are being purchased on your streets. And so they, I don't know if any charges stem from it, but they did confiscate a quite a number of, uh, of product from, from these stores. Yes, they have. Yeah. And, um, because it becomes a, pro- it, what, what's, how do I knowingly possess a controlled substance if I bought it from a store that's yeah. open and nefarious, that's. <laughs> Out, right. You know, it's yeah. not. It's this is this They're isn't going hiding. right. This isn't going. This is going to the Quickie Mart. This is going to, you know, open stores, smoke shops, etc. So anyway, the problem was my my young man says when the officer smells marijuana while well, I smoked earlier. So we don't have clean hands. This isn't the only way that he's taking in yeah. THC, and that was enough for me to move from like a seventy percent sure we could win to. Yeah. I could see, you know, you get the wrong jury panel and going, you're just a pothead and you're just doing pot a different way. I don't feel sorry for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, you knew what you were getting. Yeah. 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 And it was one of those things that really came to light as I really started pushing, you know, in, into the trial prep. Um, and when the DA called me on Friday afternoon and said, would you still consider that pretrial diversion? We understand you've got good arguments. We, You know, they know me. They know you. And they were like, we don't know which way it's going to go, but if you lose, he has a felony and none of us can fix that. And I was like, let me talk to him. Pre-trial diversion, though, is such a good result. Yeah, especially late. 
especially late. Not especially just, late in the game. Yeah, but I mean, this is a good result because you know you had some facts that you really you know weren't sure about. They obviously had some facts they weren't sure about. This ensures that. You know, if it can if be the expunged, state, if right. the state wants their slap on the wrist or their pound of flesh, they're going to get it, right? And and your guys got to do something to earn that dismissal and expunge. I mean, it's it's just a good negotiation, right? All, yeah, all it, 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 it was it was very fair, and I appreciate that the uh, district attorney's office said we understand it's yeah. you know normally past time, but we think this is right, and we're we're willing to work with you. Well, most prosecutors too. I mean, misdemeanor prosecutors or felony prosecutors, they don't want to mess with weed and THC. I mean, the, the the thoughts and feelings surrounding these substances from their just general jury member uh, is oh, ever geez. changing. And, and right. they don't want to waste their time. They don't want to waste a jury's time. Right. Yeah, again, I don't – I'm amazed how many people I know that are like, well, I take a little CBD every night to go to bed, and my eyes kind of dilate, and I go, oh, God. Yeah. I'm going to have to be representing my friends who are exactly. all – you know. Yeah, it's scary out there, man. Yeah. Um, but those are light – but have you had some pins that came back what I call THC heavy? <laughs> like the very good ones where you're like, uh, okay, very good. In <laughs> um, where you, like, you're like, okay, this was not bought in Texas. It's definitely a Colorado, California pin. I had one guy say it was bought in Dallas, and I'm like, oh, maybe. Not a store, but maybe from a... Yeah, you may have brought it from Dallas. <laughs> it was like 75, 80% THC. Right. I mean, that, that, is, uh, that is some potent stuff, my friend. Right. I've, I've seen them anywhere from like 30% up to about 75 or 80%. And those, it's very hard to say you did not knowingly and intentionally possess a controlled substance, right? You didn't buy it. It's a good argument for the 1% pens, but man. Right, up to, up to about 3% because you can sure. truly say that, you know. They just didn't carry that They They, they didn't move the decimal the right way. Right. And, and I think a third of our jurors would go, I didn't know what the difference was. Right. Um, and they can you can point to what store they bought it at, et cetera. Yeah. But when you... Either bought it off the street or bought it in from a different state. Or like can't explain it. Yeah, brought it in from a different state. Can't explain where you got it. It has no markings on it. You know, like yeah, it, yeah. Like you and I now have seen enough of these that we know some of the brands. Or right? like the, yeah, or or even if it does have markings, where you're like, okay, but this this THC vial says heavy hitter on it. I mean, come on, bro. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, <know>? like <laughs> it says guaranteed. Guaranteed high, yeah. right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, yeah, those those are different. Um, I, I don't know that. I don't know that to the average juror they would really be different, but we as defenders and prosecutors see them as this. This is a different product. This is not a mistake. This is not you. You you brought it in. So are you f- still finding that you can get? really good deals on those cases though you got to do them earlier there, you yeah. can't stretch that out right yeah that's not something that you would wait till you're on trial list and be offered a pre-trial diversion yeah probably not so, um but again i'm gonna i'm gonna ask my my young client where did you get it that's the first question i'm gonna ask because that becomes an important factor in that plea negotiation if i bought it here um, and here being locally enough that you could drive 30 minutes and find the store. Right. So if you're in, if you're in Parker County, you came into Fort Worth or you're Fort Worth and you went up to Denton, right. Or if you're in Austin and drove to San Marcos, right. We're talking about someplace you would normally could go 
and you happen to go into a shop and you found something you liked and you bought it, okay, great. I can point it out. I could I could subpoena that manager yes. if I had to. Yes. If you bought it off the street. Got it from a friend. Got it from a friend. Purchased it when I went up to go skiing this winter. Yeah. Yeah, the the I I my my um righteous indignation gets much smaller. Right. Yeah. Um and, and you know, it is still THC. Uh but when you get in those high percentages, it it really starts I mean, that's that's a substance and at at a level of THC distillation that has not really been seen in the natural world, right? I mean, there are some strains of marijuana where you can get really, really potent, but when you distill it down and get that oil, that that is to a whole nother level. Now, you may still have issues with the testing, getting back at that number. Or the stop. We're, and we're not saying, you you know, plea these cases out immediately. I mean, as I think as Dr. Suge has told us, which go back and listen to that episode, you know, when, when labs are using the gas chromatograph to test THC substances, they are, um, they are, they are uh, doing it wrong. They're not taking into account some like carboxy effects, whatever he calls it. So right. definitely look down that, uh, down that alley, but um, it's, it is harder to explain the intentionally or knowingly aspect. The, o- the other it. thing about bringing in that expert to say the gas chromatograph isn't the best way to test it I worry that on a THC case, the jury's going to glaze over and go, they're hearing white noise for that hour and a half, um, and they're going to go, did he have the vape pen or not? Yeah. Um, Especially if you can't say they bought it here and here's where. um, I mean, that that may be a good bargaining chip for negotiation, but... You know, you can still get some really great deals on these cases. Right. Um, Most of the prosecutors I know are not trying to hammer a right. first-time THC pin uh, possessor in, right. in any in any case, R- regardless of the yeah of the quantity or quality of it. Right now, if it were a lot, if it looked like they were like over two hundred grand or something, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I've had I've had some felony manufacturing possession cases where there's five pounds of marijuana in the in the house, and that doesn't even the, the marijuana doesn't even get filed, it doesn't get filed anywhere. Yeah, they don't right? really care about it. They don't care, right? Because yeah. that's a state jail felony <laughs> level of marijuana, and we've got first degree felony uh, manufacturing or, or sorry levels of 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 meth and fentanyl. And they've got money and scales and bags, so they're going to yeah. go with manufacturing delivery. They're just going to put the marijuana on as evidence that, yeah, this isn't a mistake. So I've how often do you get called and say, like, man, I'm surprised that police in Texas still care about marijuana? I was I assumed I would just get maybe a ticket or whatever. Yeah, I get that all the time. And, and they and in our areas that we practice in North Texas, you're still getting arrested for the most part. Maybe not in Dallas, but. Um, I've, I, but I've even seen a few in in places like Parker County where they go, yeah, they found a little bit, and truly it's like the the remnant. Uh huh. And the officer go dump out the little baggie the, the that's left, hand it back to him, and give him a ticket for paraphernalia. Well, and I go, 
and they'll get mad and i'm like you don't he, he, get, he gave you a you favor are. right yeah yeah so and i was representing a client on a drug paraphernalia ticket and in the uh and and kind of the same deal they were upset you know like this is crap this is i can't believe this and on the video you see the officer take this little roach and you know uh, uh rub it into the cement with his foot and that's it you just have a ticket for paraphernalia and I was like, you, that officer right there just saved you thousands and thousands of dollars. I've seen it once. Um, right. I've seen it a few times. And, and sometimes it's that the officer, you know, looks and realizes that the kid that lives down the street from me, um, you know, not, a, not all law enforcement's out to, to ruin your life. They're well, hold on. Um, <laughs> I may push back on that a little bit. But they're they, not out to ruin your life, Mr. Harris. I think they understand, like, remember, because marijuana has a has a threshold amount of usable quantity. It has to be a usable quantity up to two ounces. And so if they're looking at it like, okay, a little roach, like, I think that threshold is getting bigger as time goes on. You know, like, uh, it's not really enough to, like, do anything. Whereas before, you're like... I mean, you could roll the world's smallest smallest uh, joint and smoke it with a little paper clip, you know. Um, and now it's like, yeah, that's just shake. We don't really care about that, right? You know, right? Um, but you were saying about how cops are so great to everybody. It's not what I said. Oh, okay. I got a speeding ticket this weekend, Mister. So I got one last week, bro. Oh, so bad. I'll represent you. You represent me. Um. <laughs> I've already got representation. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Not that I mean I would. Fine, fine. Yeah, fine. Um, so anyway, the the THC thing is is problematic. Part of it is we have legislation that is written poorly, and I've looked at some of the history. The point three percent basically came. One scientist said, you know, this this is kind of a break point, and no one's done any testing to see if that's a. That that's the right break point or not? It's basically an arbitrary number. Just like .08 BAC is for DWI. Uh, it, it is it is arbitrary. Some states have .06. Some states have .10. This is not a th- disclaimer by Andrew Decker. I uh, may or may not agree I'm with Mr. Harris. Just saying these things that we just take, you know, that we assume under the law, they don't really mean anything. Like, look at the DRE examinations. They mean absolutely no. It's just it's just witchcraft. Anyway, so the point three is truly just a, a number that a that a chemist used, yeah. and it was like in the seventies, and okay. that became the rule for hemp versus marijuana. Do you know you're you were born in the seventies, right? I was. Okay. Do you, so. Do you are you aware of like the potency of marijuana? How it's changed over time? I know it's gotten stronger, but again, I've never used the marijuana, so yeah. I have no personal yeah, knowledge. It's, it is. It it's has gotten, gotten, gotten significantly stronger. Right. So that point. Three should probably be something way, Some, way, something different, way right? Higher. But because of that, and because of kind of this arbitrary rule of whether it's been extracted from the plant or it's still in plant form, um, and, and this, do we have enough time to mess with a marijuana charge when fentanyl is, you know, the new big drug of choice? Right. And ironically, I've seen cocaine come back in the last like yeah. year. Um, uh, so long as that cocaine is laced with fentanyl. Again, I don't know. Here's my point. I We've got to figure out a way to make this much more clear of this is legal and this is illegal, yes. and it's not some, you know, the, p- pick a number that, yes. that, that that is large enough that we can understand it and 
be safe with it. And I, I don't know really where the the problem is. This is it's because this is an ever changing, you know, uh, ever changing area of the law. But the legislature does have work to do. It's like they updated the penal code, but they didn't update the or, or they updated the agriculture code. They didn't really update any of these other, you know, areas rules. to where yeah the right. rules. Um, that, that affect like the selling of products the marketing of products, the penal code, et cetera. So, right. So it's going to be something we have to keep an eye on. Uh, our defenders will have to, uh, be, be watching. We've got several people who've reached out to the show recently and given us some, yeah. some high remarks, some high praise, uh, some possible, that. um, uh, guests, uh, to be on the show. Uh, somebody asked for a transcript. I don't know if they wanted the transcript from trial or from the episode. I think they just wanted like your, um, let me see if I can find it and we'll give you a shout out, but it was our a public defender brethren, sister in Yeah. From New like in Jersey. the Northeast. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my transcript on beyond a reasonable doubt that I've used. And I've gotten I, several people actually stop me and go, now what army did you? And I'm like, it, that's not the point. Well, and that, and that, when I, cause I <laughs> sent it to you, um, I, be, because they were, they were asking, it was something that you had brought up. And I know that you don't have a script like you, this comes out of the thin, the thin air for you. Um, yeah, I, I do prepare for trial, but <laughs> that's not what I meant. But like, <laughs> you don't really have like you just have like bullet points you want to cover. Yes, um, certain things you want to put a certain way. And and then I and th- and then I let the I let the spirit move, my yes. brother. Yeah, you you come on with me, stay with me, watch me now. To, you try to sound, um, you know, like our like our guests that we've had on the show. You know that that uh, get inspiration. Yeah. Well, I, I, honestly, I try to just um, be open and, and listen and draw information out. Um, uh, but we'll we'll but we do appreciate the contacts. We've had several um, comments on the uh, uh, former jailer who's spoken. Uh, um, so we appreciate that letting us know. All right. I think so Andy found it. This is from Jen Road in Maine, not New Jersey. Still the Northeast. It is in indeed, um, yes, nor- very far north northeast of us. Evidently, she listens to the show. Thank you, Jen. Right, that's great. Uh, <laughs> so, if any of our listeners need an attorney in Maine, contact Jen at Jen at JJRLaw dot org. Uh, she was wondering. She likes. We should the take closing. a field trip. I would love to. Oh man, I bet that would be awesome. Heard the show about Beyond a Reasonable Doubt and hauling the wagon up the hill and loved it. Loved it. I was wondering if you'd be able to send me a copy of your closing argument that you used using this analogy. Talk to us about that. Tell it briefly. Right. So I, I first of all had it in my in my jury selection. I right. actually have a picture of an army dragging stuff up a hill. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter. It could be any army, any hill. Right. The point is is that the state, especially in a in a in a sexual assault case, it's not he said she said. The state has to haul everything to the top of the hill. And then in closing, I came back and I said, it's still not a he said, she said. They've both taken the stand. The, 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 the trueness may be somewhere in the middle, but if, the, if it doesn't all reach the top of the hill, you can believe her more and him less or him more and her less. But if you don't think that it's all hit the top, it's a not guilty. Yeah. Um. 
And obviously I do that and I pull it out and I play with it. But the women in that jury pool, in that jury... Uh, um, Specifically, you pull out these arguments and, and yes. play with them in your head. <laughs> well, in, Just to be clear. Wow. Uh, sorry, Mr. Harith. Didn't mean to... Now, now I'm lost. Uh, There's the, HR on this floor. Isn't the there? women in that jury actually said that that was very effective. And, and I don't know that I have a transcript. Uh, that case is being expunged. So I don't know if the... if The, the record? If I can keep... If I have the record or not. Well, uh, if it if the expunction has been granted, you can still get it, but you know if you want it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so there you go, Jen. Uh, that's for you. Anybody else has any questions? Please contact us. Our website is texascrimdefense.com. We I assume still have a Twitter page. We do. We have the Twitter, and that's actually how uh, we found Mr. Forrest. He's going to be on the not not for it's not Forrest. It, it, well, it is Forrest. Um, okay. Who's going to be on the show? And he's he's bringing a he has a judge that wants to be on the show. Oh, wonderful! Um, so we 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 do pay attention. We try to get back to yes. it. It sometimes takes a little time to circle back. Uh, but thank you, thank you for reaching out. We do appreciate you. Tell a friend. That's really the best way we grow. <coughs> and um, leave us a review. Yeah. Uh, if it's not five stars, then just email us and tell us your thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great, too. It is also fun when Andy and I are somewhere and someone goes, are you one of the Andrews? Like, yeah. they recognize our voice and they're like, and they come up and that's that's awesome. So, that please, is awesome. please reach out to us. It actually, again, as I said a few episodes back, if we stop yeah. doing this, I'm going to have to take up calligraphy and I don't have time for that. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, well, it'll still be us having these conversations just not being recorded. Right. Please don't do that to us. All right, so for Mr. Harith, I'm Andrew Decker. And for Mr. Decker, I am Andrew Harith. Y'all be good. Good.